2: This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. I am live right now with Brian and Kathy on the island of Kauai, and you look very fresh today for 6 a.m. where you are. How are you guys doing? It's 5 a.m. Four hours behind. How's that possible? Oh, 9, 5, five. Is there a four-hour difference? Yeah. I knew that. Okay. Hey. So it's great seeing you both. You look good for 5 a.m. That even looks better. And yet I'm the one that looks really pale today. Say it again. (laughs) Well, you look like you're in a beautiful setting, in a nice place. You're on the island of Kauai. Talk to us. How are things going out there? We're in the land of the prospering dead. The land of the prospering dead. So everybody's prospering, but they're dead spiritually. So did God send you there to do some missionary work, to revive them? That would be nice. I
1: would hope so. You know, hopefully we can be a light in a dark place. You know, we have to carry his, him, you know, Holy Spirit in us. And, you know, and he does the work. I, we don't know how it's going to be. But I know that uh, the devil's after our joy. And if he needs our joy, you know, what good are we? So um, just keeping our eyes on him and the good news of him coming. Soon and, uh, and praying for the lost That by God's mercy That they would be
2: able to wake up And um, and repent You know, and see. Amen, amen Well, all over the world, you know, the big conversation In the body of Christ, is there a revival? Is there a harvest? Well, if there is, go get it um, Absolutely A lot of people are asking, gee, what is it going to be like? We had this incredible Bible study last night In, in the home and I tell you, the presence of God was so strong, and everybody knew it. We couldn't even teach our Bible study, so we just got into a conversation, fellowship. And the question came up, gee, what would it be like if Brian and Kathy were sitting here right now? What would that be like? <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's what people are asking. Hey, when are you guys going to come on out and say hello? And uh, you're a little bit closer now, I think. Are you closer now than from Honduras? I think we're are you further away in Hawaii?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's that's honestly, that's like that's where our hearts are. Kind God seems to be tugging our hearts to, to coming that direction. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. At least for a visit, right? Yeah. And then we'll let God do whatever God has to do. You know, I was a little bit concerned uh, talking about that this morning. I just, you know, Patricia and I do what we do every morning in our preparation before the Lord. And then the last minute, I'll turn on the news to see what's going on. And on uh, Newsmax, there was a doctor, Evan somebody. And all I caught was, I've been vaccinated. I've got the booster. You need to get vaccinated. You need to get the booster. And then the host said to the doctor, well, there are people that have been vaccinated that are getting sick, even when they have the vaccination and the booster. And he kind of goes, well, you know, that's kind of a a small thing that they're going through. But I was talking to another dear brother who you'll probably meet when you do come from Tennessee, Pastor Kevin Honeycutt. And Pastor Kevin just told the story this weekend. I wanted to know what happened with that tornado because that tornado swept through and went right past where they were, kind of originated where we are, but just started east of that horrible damage. Uh, so a lot, both of us were spared in a sense. And uh, I said, well, how's it going? He says, well, we're good. He said, but I just got back from a funeral. And I said, oh, what happened? Um, he said there was a couple in his church that he had trained for years and everybody was on the same page and there was a husband and wife and the wife one day started getting the sniffles and a cough and she got concerned. So she went to the doctor. She wanted to get something to help her. Well, the hospital took her in. They vaccinated her. Then she started breaking down in her body. Her husband tried to get to see her because a call went out to him. They would not let him in. And this is uh, from the beginning of her going to the hospital to the very end of her life, four-hour span, from taking a vaccination, going to the doctor to get help, is she died. And Pastor Kevin Honeycutt had to do the funeral and the husband was devastated because they were in agreement. She was not, they weren't going to do that. And how quickly just a little sniffle or a cough, the fear element is so strong and you wake up this morning and you're hearing from the left and the right, you got to do this. It's the only right thing to do the world health organization. You've got to not only mask, but you've got a social distance. You got to wash your hands. You got to get the vaccination. You got to get the booster. You got to do it all. And they're really pushing this. And I believe an acceleration is coming. Uh, how are you guys thinking about all this? What's happening?
3: Uh, couldn't agree more. The show yesterday, and, and everything was just like bang, bang, bang. It was just, everything just resonated. Everything just was confirmed in our spirit, you know? And it's just just the timeline that's coming. And so, you know, we were talking this morning. We you know that God led us here, but then the question is, it's like, well, gosh, I hope this stuff actually, we don't overstay and this doesn't become the snare. You know where we get stuck here because of getting enmeshed in things and family and all of that, and things that we have absolutely no power over. People's people's lives we've spoken into for years and years and years and years for the same exact effect. It's it's like playing catch with yourself, throwing it up against, throwing a ball against the wall. You know, and and everything just comes back. Everything you say just bounces off people like cement. So, um,
1: I like. You were asking about the, um, the vaccine and the scare and the fear, and yeah. it's like, you know, we have no fear, you know, of COVID. And yeah, it's, it is real, but um, we're not taking a vaccine because we did our homework. It doesn't make sense, you know, and um, so we'll just uh, continue forward without it. And we have we take supplements. We're ready if, if we get exposed. and you know, we believe that God has our day's number. He knows when we're our beginning and our end and uh I'm not to sure throw we'll all wisdom out the window but uh but we do not walk in fear and if it comes to say like like oh you need to be vaccinated before you get on this plane, no more flying We're, we'll consider that, you know, we'll depending on if God's saying we need to go because uh, yeah, it's just we have to be able to listen to the Lord, but like I wouldn't make a decision out of fear you know, you want peace when you make a decision, not trapped in fear in a corner, especially in a hospital room, you know, or in your house. And and so, just trusting in God, and it's something that you have to learn to do in your walk, you know, on a daily basis. Kathy, is you know, your he's in confusion. yeah. That's thing. He's the author of confusion, and so that's another. It's not just fear of confusing with all the different messages
0: of information. Amen.
2: As you're talking right now, in my spirit, I'm seeing this moment, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you know, the old child story. No child story. That story talks about some of God's finest men, his people, standing in the fire. And I, what I'm hearing in my spirit that these days... God's people choosing to honor him and to fear him and to understand the new covenant that we have been inoculated, that we have a great position, that we're under a hedge of protection, and that no plague shall come nigh our dwelling. And when we put our faith and trust in God, we will be walking through this moment with everybody demanding vaccinations, but the supernatural power of God will be available To those who really believe and are not willing to bow their knee to the image of Baal or to this moment where it has been so deceptive and so confusing and so fear-mongering, as you have just said, so maybe we're stepping into that environment, Brian, where we're just getting to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego once again saying whether we live or die, we're not going to honor or bow down to what you're demanding.
3: line in the sand, you know, I think we talked about knowing exactly where the boundaries are, knowing exactly where the lines are, what we will do, what we won't do, where we will go, where we won't go, needs to be established in our minds now, because if we wait to the midst of the, in the middle of the crisis to decide, and try to decide whether we're going to stand for God, or whether this really is an affront to God, if we don't stand for it, and, and whatever, it's going to be too late, so we need to decide, we need to resolve in our minds right now, like, what will we do if someone attacks us? What will we do if someone tries to force the vaccine on us? What What's our stand going to be if we have to resolve now with God, you know, in prayer with God and say, Lord, what is it that you will have me do in that moment, you know? And, and um, because otherwise we are, that's how we're going to get caught in the snare. And, um, and I think that as far as the vaccine goes,
2: Especially in the, uh, with this particular issue uh, with COVID-19. I mean, there are so many people, maybe, at least I am, I'm still sitting here going, what the heck are you guys talking about? After two years of this, I'm basically, I don't get what your issue is. COVID-19, it came out of a lab, supposedly in Wuhan, China. It was man-made issue. Uh, back in October of 2019, you guys were running simulations about what would happen, how we would have the narrative and the news media. I mean, that's very real, uh, that whole narrative thing in October. And now you've kind of released something in the atmosphere trying to create blame, but it's, uh, it's the Hegelian dialectic again. We need to get control of everything. We need to bring people under our authority. Uh, we need to break this, uh, this uh, self-willed uh, people. We need, it's just all about control. Uh, Any other time when there was a real disease or sickness, people just knew, you know, hey, we better get our shot here. We better do this, whatever. But this is so different than that. And it's on top of the, you know what it's doing? It's showing uh, with January 6th the utter hypocrisy, the blatant deception and lies about what happened on January 6th and how they're using that to strike more fear. And the same people that are using January 6th are the people that are behind this whole thing. So how do you trust any of it? How do you trust your government anymore, sincerely? You don't. That's the answer. You don't. It's it's, uh, whatever it is you see in the mainstream narrative, you just assume, begin with a baseline assumption that what you're hearing, the truth is the opposite of what you're hearing, you know, and then proceed to confirm from there. Rather than before, we would assume that most of what we hear is probably
3: true. Maybe it's a little bit mixed. were kids and Walter Cronkite would come on. You know, Walter Cronkite was a staunch wolf
2: And between yesterday and today, uh, is there a message that God has put in your heart, Brian and Kathy? I mean, you're sharing it, you know, bits of it right now. Is there anything that was dear to your heart, something you would like to share with our listeners today?
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I was asking him the same question. Oh, good. It's, well, it's, it's just, I, I continue to find
3: myself in the prophets, you know, in, in the Old Testament, and, and looking for the type and shadow, or even my ear attuned to it, and, and, uh, the book of Nemo, which is probably, like, there's a lot of believers who may not even know that book yeah, where's that, but it's, it's a profound, it has a profound, uh, message for us today, and it's just another, it's another clear template of, um, of, of where we are today, and that, in that, um, one, in chapter one, it, it's, Talks about he shows that God is one. God is good, but God also is not going to put up with our nonsense. That there's there's protection for those who are obedient, and there is there is our consequences for, for disobedience. And uh, uh, the Book of Man deals with with Nineveh, which you know we hear a lot about in churches about Nineveh. how uh, Nineveh repented, and it's used as a as an, as an example of the greatest revival that ever happened. And, and uh, what I never heard about when I was a young believer is that, well, 150 years after Nineveh repented, Nineveh fell apart. And Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. We know in Isaiah chapter 10, God tells Israel that they're going to be they're going to be punished, and that He's going to use Assyria to punish them, and that Assyria will then be punished for punishing Israel. You know, and that's paradoxical to our normal black and white this or that way of thinking. Uh, as human beings on earth, but but Nahum is seems to be that's the story of where Nineveh gets punished for for a serious punish for uh you know for their for their abominations you know and they're the same abominations that Israel committed. One of the things that I found interesting is that in, in chapter three, I think beginning in, in verse thirteen, it talks about that your leaders are, are locusts and your captains are are and your captains are. Uh, Our our locusts too, I guess. And basically the idea is that they were looters. There was a lot of looting going on in their society, but it wasn't just in the streets of loot. It wasn't just looting in the streets, but their leaders were looting everything, right? And so, and their military leaders were looting everything. And then it says, says, depending on the translation, it says your men have become women and your walls are undefended, you know? And and, and that's why when we look at our society today, it's like our men (laughs) have become women. Literally, they've become women, you know. I just heard a story about a, a, a college swimmer who, uh, he, he's just completely blown away all the, 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 the records of the women, you know. And the women are weeping because now they have no hope. Their scholarships, their opportunities for scholarships and things like that are gone because this man, David, said he was a woman and just totally blew, he blew records away by like 38 seconds, you know like the top swimmer, which is, you know, which is insane. And it's just, everything has just gone so crazy and so twisted. And here we are again. When we look at the book of Nahum, we have a type of shadow of, this is what they did. This is what God did. And one of the things, one of the lines verses says that, you know, do you think that you're better than, than, um, than thieves, right? And thieves was destroyed for, for, for similar things, you hmm. know? And so the God. The the context is always like, well, this is what they did, and you're doing the same thing. This was my response to them then.
2: Blower to me that Martin Luther, that you know the great reformer, uh, you know the exit out of Catholicism, and it's almost like going from the uh, what do they call from the frying pan to the pot or whatever it is. Um, he's actually talking about go and sin boldly. Are you kidding me? How arrogant is that? I, I don't think he.
3: I don't think he actually meant to tell people to actually go and sin boldly, but he was using hyperbole to kind of try to like. Yeah, I've
2: heard that before. Well, it seems to be the modern conversation today. I mean, that's the dialogue among Christians, you know, that sin is, you know, if you do it, you do it, you know, it's kind of a light thing. And even last night in our Bible study, we were talking about the holy things of God, how the ecclesia should approach God in a manner that is respectful and holy, not religious and legalistic, but there is something about, you know, Uzzah touching the tabernacle of God When he had no right to and God struck him dead because he didn't understand the deep things of God. And I think we need to learn a lot more about God's ways and we think we figured it out and I don't think we've even come close, quite frankly.
3: Scary. haven't even we haven't even us you know. <laughs> scary. That
0: Yeah,
2: he's always said, "My people have not known my ways," and I think our modern understanding about the ways of God is just so shallow and paper thin, no doubt about it. So we remain veiled. All right, so keep continue on. Uh, so Nahum, he's he's a prophet. He's declaring judgment to a people that had once, um, you know, repented and did find the favor of God. But God really, he's consistent, isn't he? He's is
3: very consistent. Very consistent. And, and the, as far as I can make out, I don't, the book Nahum's not as quite as clear about the people's responses as maybe they get as, as Jeremiah and Isaiah is. But um, yes, it it's the same thing, you know. It's uh, the words fell on deaf ears, and it was just Nahum being obedient and speaking and, and warning and exhorting and, and, um, of things the majority of people didn't um, listen and, and, and Nineveh was destroyed. You know, and the, the geographical area exists today, but that's you know, I think northern Iraq, you know, is, is where Nineveh was. You know, and you you looking at that today, it's, um, it's nothing compared to what it was or what it could have been.
1: So, at
2: what point do you, you know, as a nation, uh, when the prophetic word of God comes to a nation, at what point do you know, the, the saints of God, the, you know, the uncompromisingly righteous begin to get it, get it and then begin to respond, okay, there's nothing more we can do. The line has been crossed. How then shall we live and prepare for the inevitable collapse? I mean, if you're living in Nineveh in those days or you're living in Babylon when it's about to get crushed, you know, when do God's people begin to make the necessary adjustments so that they could escape from the tragedy to come. I mean, I think- <laughs>
3: by that is that is that we're always growing in faith. And sometimes what that that faith looks like is some of the more childish ways that
2: I'm also thinking about the Abrahamic covenant and how it's interesting with Abraham and Lot because Lot goes his way. Abraham goes his way. Abraham takes the high high road, the mountains. He takes the luxurious way down to Sodom and Gomorrah. And at the time that God is judging uh, and pouring out his wrath on Sodom and Gomorrah, here's Abraham up in the mountain, just continuing on in the purpose of God. And throughout his life, the Abrahamic journey, if you will, the Abraham, the faith journey of Abraham, our father in the faith, there are these moments of divine encounter where God makes everything very plain. He reiterates the covenant. He comes back again at the right time. But there are seasons where Abraham's going, hey, I think we should go down into uh, such and such a place, and we better go do this. And even when he made a mistake, he would come out with more than he went in with because he was such a such favor of God. So there is a confidence that God's people should have that we're on this earth, and when we're getting divine encounters, praise God, but between those encounters, we're living life, and even if we, for whatever reason, find ourselves going in what we think is the wrong direction, God uses it all for his glory because of the covenant and because he is dedicated to us, and the God, the El Roy, the God who does see, sees us even when we don't see him. Isn't that correct? Go ahead, Kathy. you you got something there. I don't
1: know. I was thinking, um, I mean, I can't remember uh, while we're struggling to see where, you know, where are you reading me, God? And you know, where's, what, what are you doing? Where are we going? Where should we go? It's like, you know, we don't want to, if he's not speaking that right this, that, you know, I, my attention goes right to him, and like, what are you doing in my heart right now? How am I, what, what would you have me doing, or what do you, what are you uh, showing me in this moment while we are, like, waiting or, you know, trying to figure things out? It's like, it's the now. It's like, you know, we trying to we get ahead of ourselves sometimes. And that, like, he's really doing the work in at this moment, which is, I think, is the uh, going of the faith. Trust me, trust me, trust me. You're not seeing everything. But, you know, that doesn't separate us from right now. That doesn't separate me from you right now. You're not alone, you know, and so... um, Amen.
2: You know, know, it's interesting about that thought real quick is that before we were born again, we were living not with the idea that God's presence was with us, right? We're just kind of doing what we did, going where we wanted to go, and yet we stayed alive. Now we're in covenant with the living God through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And we have this Abrahamic covenant rejoined with even a better covenant in Christ. And we shouldn't get so weirded out because we're not hearing his voice. I mean, that, that necessity that some of us have, man, if I don't hear his voice, I just I kind of freak out kind of thing because I'm so dependent upon you leading and guiding my life. But as we go, he's never abandoning his true kids. He's never giving up. He's never forsaking us. And he shows up when he wants to show up. But we stay with him all the time, but he's always there. So our job is to keep blessing, worshiping, obeying, honoring, you know, working it out, reading the word, doing what it says, just those things. The Ramahs will come. The encounters will come. But I, I really believe that God wants his people right now to be extremely joyful. And I've heard someone who doesn't know Jesus, I said, well, cheer up. They're like, yeah, aha, because they don't know the Lord. But all of God's people, our worst day as Christians is, our, is better than our best day that we ever had in the world. Isn't that true? Yeah,
0: yeah definitely.
1: It's deep. It's a deep thing of oh, <laughs> on your road trip or,
2: you know, whatever. Yeah. And how many days were a blur, Brian? How many days, you know, you took that first puff of the pipe or whatever and you were gone for the whole day. We we were walking dead people, and now we're alive. And the life we have, even if it's a little grain of a mustard seed of faith and a grain of mustard seed of life, just a little bit of the energy of God within us through being born again, We are stronger right now than we have ever been in our lives. And the body of Christ needs to wake up to this reality. We're on a journey. We are pilgrims. We are pioneers. We're just moving through. We get a chance to meet each other right now from faraway places. And God forbid something would ever happen where we'd say goodbye. We never met each other face-to-face on this planet. We will see each other in eternal life. I mean, we are eternal beings right now. We are going to live forever forever. And I believe that people that love the Lord, that know what time it is, being wise as serpents, wise virgins, gentle as doves, you need to live an abundant life. And I believe the abundance is quality. I believe it's inward, it's joyful, it's peaceful, it's love, it's all that And whatever you do. I mean, let our lights shine. I just read this morning, Jesus said to the disciples, have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. What a great way to live life.
3: School and he was he was giving a teaching and uh, and all of a sudden he got a he got a this whole thing is joy right and and he's laughing about all the time laughing and so he gets this call and and uh, and he starts laughing and everything.
2: supernatural and I think the supernatural you know we have Sid Roth it's supernatural talks about all these wonderful events that go on we really need to see the supernatural power of God in the life of those who are going to follow him through this moment Um, my friend Daniel used to say all the time in the book of Acts that when persecution came and they scattered the people they were scattered and they brought the kingdom and the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere they were scattered all things work together for good for those who love God not in word not in thought, but in action, in deed, right? In our conduct, those that love God should walk confidently before God, boldly before God. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It, we're always working things out. There's no doubt, but as, as much ground as we've taken, we never surrender that ground. We take ground, we stay in that ground, and then we move and take more ground. And, and sometimes going back and to where the ground we had taken, we give it back to the enemy, that's unwise. And so the Christian body of Christ we're called to take the territory, and it's really in our hearts. And eventually, that's got to have impact all over the world. Yeah, I think so. And that's the vision six is having done all the stand Stand there for it. Don't, don't attack. Don't grab your guns at it, you know. and I <laughs> yeah. can take over and have a revolution and don't run away. It's having done all the stands. Darn it. Stand yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. So the balance of joy, unspeakable, and full of go. Go ahead, Kathy. And
1: uh, you know how we, we get so angry and mad and frustrated at hearing the news and how the lies are coming out and what the enemy is doing through people on the earth. But yet, you know, he says, you know, edges his mind. Up to it ruins our day, and we're like walking around with smoke coming out of our ears because we're so mad. Which that we all do that.
2: know what a preterist is. I was told by a preterist that, um, you know, if you really believed what you were saying, he told me this in a restaurant in San Diego, but we were the three of us together. And uh, he said, you know, if you really believe that you, you know, you were so concerned about everybody's lives, what about this guy sitting at the table over here? I mean, maybe he's an unbeliever dying ready to go to hell. What are you going you know, to tell everybody? So what I did as I walked over to the guy he mentioned, I said, hey, do you know Jesus? And <laughs> started to minister to him. But I think he his point was in preterism, That God's love that was poured out on the cross is a love that is going to save every living human being on this earth. And even the devil is going to be restored to his his, his former glory, to an an angel of glory, and that there's a restoration that's going to happen all over the world. And so the necessity to get out there and tell everybody about Jesus because they're going to die and go to hell, he says, you know, hell, hell is temporary. Uh, the lake of fire is temporary. It's a touchstone to just get all the negativity out and bring back you to God. So, and I totally disagree with that doctrine. But he made a point. He said, "I don't think Christians the way that you guys are thinking. I don't think you really do care. I think you're supposed to care. You think you're supposed to, and you want to, but I don't think you really do care because people everywhere around you are going to hell, and you're not shouting, you know, to the, you know, in the middle of the streets, hey." Repent before God because I really care that you could die today. So how do you speak into that? You know, what do you do with that? Okay, You're.
1: That's, uh, yeah, that's a good point, and uh, I feel convicted with that. But uh, there's also prayer life, you know, and uh, being obedient because. Uh, well, I mean, it sounds like an excuse too, but I don't know. I just I don't feel that uh, that um, I'm supposed to go and. Tell everybody I come in contact about Jesus, but because that's
3: well, I think one, I think the trap in this conversation is that a lot of Christians pridefully mistake their ability to lead.
2: said, uh, the love that we're told to love our neighbor with is not emotional. It is the fact that I'm not going to steal, I'm not going to rob your house when you're gone. I'm not going to commit adultery with your spouse. I'm not going to bear false witness against you. I'm going to be the best neighbor you're ever going to know in your life. And if something ever happened and you needed help, we would be there for you. So my love is demonstrated not by my emotions or my feelings. My love is demonstrated by my neighbor that I will do you no ill. I will do you no harm. And I could live on this earth, and and I live in this world. I'm not of this world, as none of us are, but we're not the ones going out there robbing people, shooting people, lying about people, bearing false witness, gossiping, slandering. You know, we're, we're preaching a gospel. We're proclaiming God's word, and we're warning wherever we go. But we also love people wherever they are. You know, it doesn't have to be my next-door neighbor. We could be out at the grocery store and see something go down. We're going to be the light side of this moment, the best we know. And and our love is revealed that way. Isn't that kind of just like a basic reality? Yeah. And, you know,
1: the Bible says that um, we're a wisdom epistle by all men.
3: Yeah, good. You know, and, um, and I think, you know, when they say,
1: who's your neighbor? It's whoever is right next to you, right at that moment, any given moment. And... Um, I think also, like, the ministry school that we went to, the, uh, the mission school was like, you know, their logo was like, stop for the one, you know, and are we too busy? I think, you know, like, can, are we going to be obedient when God says, stop, stop, look to your left and take care of this. And um, I think that we have to have ourselves prepared for, for the Lord's instruction, whether it interrupts our agenda, our plan. And uh, I just want to make a shirt that says, I'm interruptible. Cool. (laughs) You know, like, I'm just that kind of person that I want to talk to everybody, but I'm not going to go interrupt them, you know, unless God says go. But, you
2: know, like, yeah. We can get that shirt made. Uh, My my grandson will do that for us because we have our Don't Shed on Me shirt still. So we can make that shirt. You get the design. I'll give it to him. Um, Yeah. So go ahead, Brian.
0: Uh -uh. Oh, it's just that, you know, love looks like
3: something, and and when I look back, I mean, I think this part might be more challenging for someone that has been raised in the church and came from a really great family and and had the example of Christ, which is like, we're just amazed at at people, have friends, that their families are just so solid, and so loving, and so on fire for the Lord, and we're just like, uh, and they and they look at us, and they're like, well, oh, I wish I had a testimony, like you, like, no, you, you don't, it's, really, no, seriously, it's, it's, look, at, look at your family, I mean, it's just amazing, but I think one of the benefits that, that someone like me, who is like a, a, a hellified demon, rebel from God, you know, before Christ, is that I can, now I can look back, and I can I can identify these moments in time where God sent somebody and spoke a word, you know, and and, and just anything or just the example of their life. And I knew that they were a Christian and I reflect back now and I realize that there were so many people that planted in water, they planted and watered, they planted and watered, all the way to the point when when it, the time came for God to give the increase, you know, when I charged that guy with a shotgun trying to die, not buying him, you know, and, and he gave, it was he, him that gave the increase, you know, and, and um, it's, uh, it, it's just, it's a testimony to the fact that it's, it's not always like, oh, I need to go tell this person about Jesus. Well, what is it about Jesus that that person really needs to hear right now, you know? Because there's a lot of different things about Jesus, you know, there's the message of repentance and you're going to hell, and there's the message of, hey, God loves you because, you know, you're about to commit suicide, hmm. and, you know, if you tell the wrong message because you're just stuck in your human brain and this compulsion, like, oh, I must, like a robot, tell them about Jesus, then you might say the wrong thing, you know, and we need, that's why it's so important to be led by Holy Spirit and not by our own mind and our own, just this, I don't know if i I, I there's words for it, but there's a difference between being led by the Holy Spirit and led by just human compulsion because I'm supposed to. I'm a Christian, so I'm supposed to go tell this person. What is it that person needs to hear, you know? And if we
2: don't have Holy Spirit directing us, it doesn't matter what we say. What an excellent point. And it, being led by the Holy Spirit is the key, and it, it kind of it brings understanding why— one day, Patricia and I are driving to around town getting business done. We see somebody with a sign holding out a sign uh, and they do this on the corners, you know, wherever. And one day, let's stop, let's give them some money and you do it. Another day goes by, there's just nothing there to do that with the individual we might see. And what I love, it, it, what I'm impressed with, if I could say that, that, not that it matters what I'm impressed with, but I am super impressed with When I get around brethren that are so sensitive to the Holy Spirit, um, you know, you could think or be in a conversation about something, and all of a sudden, they're right there talking about what needs to be talked with or making that call or doing that thing. they are just people that are really led by the Spirit of the living God, and that is an awesome thing because in the Spirit, you know things. You know things. And you're not guessing. And that's the way to live this life. We have a good
1: friend, Karen, amazing woman of God. She's, like, in her 70s, and she's, like, my best friend here, but um, she's just like that. She's a single uh, woman, and she lives alone, but, like, she's got story after story, and she's just so humbly, just matter-of-factly, just will just say, what happened? You know, she'll run out, of tank's getting low, and she'll not be worried, and then she'll just coast without any gas right into the gas pond and she'll, she's a thrift store shopper and like she'll be driving and, and says, oh that part is going to be in there so she'll stop at this store she'll go right into this all these little junky things and find like a little tiny part for her machine and you know and it's like she's got a- love them, and, and she's very humble and and um she's got issues but like she's just led by the
0: Spirit, and
2: she's got a lot of peace to it. Um, she's a joy. Hopefully, maybe one day you'll meet her. Yeah, well. <laughs> we yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We'll have a luau. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm still waiting for Brother Michael. He wants to meet you guys on the air before he meets you. Uh, as we're talking, I have to tell you, a, a few moments ago, I just had waves of God's glory uh, flowing through my spirit because I just sensed the power of God's grace. And in the midst of all this turmoil that's going on in this world, that we are the recipients of the grace of God, the goodness of God, the favor of God. And people need to know that in all this turmoil, that there is a life yet to be lived. Those who really cling to the savior of the world, Jesus Christ, and journey with him and understand and get to know his love that is past our epignosis, our scientific knowledge of finding out, um, I just got waved over with the grace of God, the glory of God. It felt so good. I felt like getting up and dancing, you know, kind of thing. But um, God is good, and people need to know that God is good. Yesterday was a very severe kind of a message, a great deal of severity. And behold, we should know the severity of God and the goodness of God. And it just depends on what side of the day do you want to live on. Do you want to live in the severity of God and, and be lukewarm and get vomited out of the mouth of God? Do you want to be a compromised Christian I mean, none of that's going to work. Or do you just want to go all in with who you are, regardless of your issues, regardless of your uh, conditions, regardless of where you're at? I mean, if you just go in with Jesus, all of a sudden this glorious favor begins to come on your life. And you start wondering around, looking around, going, what do I do with everything good that God has done with me? How do I distribute this? Because I really don't care about it as much as I do with the day I close my eyes and open them and I'm going to be with him face to face. So I just wanted you to know that our conversation is bearing fruits, at
0: least in my spirit. It's interesting It's interesting that you, you said that about the
3: grace coming on you and that you know, God is in the glory, yeah, but the grace is what God was really reminding me of, of yesterday, you know, and I think that I, I had a conversation with a, a friend of ours who is a, a staunch pre free triver free tri- free you know, and, and, there's no argument, there's no amount of information, there's no there's no expeditious of scripture that's gonna change your mind, you know. And I realize, Kathy and I are talking, it's like people are afraid. Even believers, they they know this is coming. It's like there's different levels of denial, different levels of bargaining. I think Pastor Moldista mentioned yesterday on the podcast, you know. But but there are different stages of grief. But but there is and this is based on our experience and I've heard other people talk about it, but it's on the mission field, when you're faced with the likelihood of your imminent death, there is a grace that comes upon you in that moment. That, and I've heard other people talk about this, and we've experienced it ourselves. You know, we've had like we've been pulled over by what turned out to be the Honduran militia, but we didn't know it at the time, and we're surrounded by guns with M-16s, and we're sitting crammed into a, the front seat of a van and, and staring down the barrels of, of, of M-16s. And sure... We were about to die, and then there was another time when we were in in uh, the Amazon in Ecuador with with the Rani and Shuar warriors, and the Shuar were the last set of the headhunters, and we got surrounded at a roadblock with all these spear-wielding Shuar that were ready to kill us. And there were these times we were just like, this is it. I mean, this, this is it. We're, we're we're about to die, you know. And there's a grace and peace that that. It comes over you when you're serving God, you know, and and you get into a situation like that.
1: And I believe God was was using these situations to
3: show us, and so that we could share with other people that that it really is like Stephen in Acts chapter seven. I mean, getting stoned, you know, and he's there with a uh, looking up, and the heavens open, and he sees the glory of God, and he smiles mm. while they're stoning him.
0: Today, mm. You know, and
3: and um, that's it. I think that's something. That if we're seeking him, if we're trying to serve him, if, if our focus is him, his will, his ways, no matter how little we may actually know and understand about them, but the intention of our heart is, is what will lead us into that grace, and that grace will protect us from this, the, the part that we fear the most, which is not dying and going to be with him, but the process of getting there, I think, is is, is scary. Yeah, Yeah.
2: We need to learn how to take our little rubber ducky into the bathtub while we're getting cleansed and washed <clears throat> and enjoy that journey as well. Sometimes we think that, you know, God is after purification, holiness, washing, cleansing, Christ-likeness, and he is. I mean, the ultimate reality of our existence is to be conformed into his image. So there has to be this ongoing internal work in our souls. But sometimes we treat that as though that's a, You know, just wow. You know, and I I understand suffering. I and I would never belittle anybody that's ever suffered uh, in the cleansing process. But somewhere along the line, doesn't there have to be a shift in our thinking that we need to rejoice that God is washing us? You know, that this trial right here, what I'm going through, what I'm being, you know, uh, challenged by, is really something that God's going to get the glory in because I am going to submit and I am going to do what is right, regardless. And out of my doing what is right and yielding, I'm getting washed and I'm becoming more like him. So even that, they, we, you know, Paul said count it all joy. And I just don't think that he meant anything you're not supposed to count it all joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, here's a guy that's been shipwrecked, beat, thrown on an island. Speak into that.
1: When you're speaking of that, I was thinking of how, like, when you're in the middle of a trial and you're seeing through your eyes. And for me, it's like, okay, I know this hurts and I don't like the situation. But when you say how, how do I actually count it more precious than gold? It's like actually I'm trying to allow God to do the work and also see through His eyes. Have like my eyes have like some kind of like stuff on them where I can't see clearly what He's doing. And um, he, through his eyes of the work that needs to be done as a parent looks at his own child and sees you know things that that child is going to uh, grow out of and grow into for the glory of a human being and, and for us for the glory of God
2: so the growing pains the growing pains
1: yeah and it's all for good it's and, all for good it's all for good man. yeah it's, it's uh, we, um, Kathy
3: was telling her sister here about uh, the landslide that destroyed our house in Honduras and took away everything that we that we owned and and trying to explain to her that that it was it was the blessing that came out of that, you know? And she asked and she asked Kathy, she said, Were you mad at God? At God yeah, at God and and we're just not, the thought never even crossed our minds like we're not bad at God You know, but then it's like the realization that it's like you're someone that to believe in Jesus Christ so but this is what people actually think this way and I think I think on one hand it's like wow I'm like I guess maybe at some, at one point in my life maybe I would have been mad but
1: Um, is your faith going to be shook, or is he going to be closer to God? It should
2: be that it brings us closer to dependence on Him. Kathy and Brian, what you're saying right now, there are thousands of people in Kentucky, in other parts of this country, that were just absolutely devastated. Uh, they're saying it's going to take months to just clean up the mess, years to rebuild. But there are people today that have gone what you've gone through, and they need to hear this message because they're they're either raising their hands in worship, trusting God, that all things work together for good, or they're raising their hands, like in the book of Revelation, cursing God, shaking their fist at God. And, you know, we have an organization. It's called United Christian Charities. I inherited it from my pastor, uh, UCC, and it has a disaster relief arm to it. And I am, the last couple of days, deeply considering Uh, gathering together a team, going out to Kentucky, start, you know, we were there in 1992 with Hurricane Andrew in Florida, um, and I'm considering it, but there's, there are so many people that are, well, I'm considering going out there and sharing the love of Christ, showing compassion, and doing what Jesus would do um, in getting out there, because how many people came around your life when that happened to you? Was there, were there people there to come and console you and to help you and to uh, help restore what happened in your situation as far as restoration is concerned? Well, uh, it was
3: amazing, the whole community that, because when we first moved in there, that was when the COVID freaked out and lockdown started, the border shut down, and uh, so we couldn't even go out of our village, and uh you know, they had a wooden gate, you know, a makeshift wooden gate made from a tree, and they had like all the men in the village guarding it. They wouldn't let anybody go in and go out, and they were really, they were really freaked out. And so we're just huddled down. We're the we're the only North Americans in the village, and the only North Americans that had been in the village for years and years and years. And and we're just like, oh my gosh, what are we doing here, Lord? You know, and and, and couldn't really get to go out and get to know people and things like that. And uh, but what we what we did is. Best we could. We had some money that we could buy beans and rice, and we could distribute beans and rice to people and things like that. And we did what we could do. And um, but then when that happened, it's like the whole village. Well, there are two groups of people. There were the, most of the village that we lived in came and and uh, and um, they just came to our aid. You know, they they were there when the first when the first landslide. It, it the first landslide didn't destroy the house. That was the alert: get out. You know, but they came and, and they were helping clear things out of the way so that the logs wouldn't jam up and and uh, and you know and, and destroy the house. And then, uh, but then after the next day, after the house was was completely taken out in the next landslide, the, the whole entire community came out and they were they went and they dug our stuff up. You know, and there was another community that came and they, they actually stole our stuff. Oh,
0: but
3: <laughs> We are people that we'd never met. You know. But the people that, that knew that we were there, they just rallied together, and they could have kept it. You know, so they could have. They, they took my drone because I used to do video production, and uh, they they dug my drone out of three feet of mud and washed it out. Everything off. was buried. The yeah, they took it out and they washed it, and they then when they they were so excited when they'd gotten it all together, they they called us and we came up and were like, oh my gosh, you know, and then. We were ambivalent because we're like we'd already let go of all this stuff, you know, and but then here it is again.
1: <laughs> so they, yeah, they had dug out some clothes and shoes and some broken stuff, and and uh, they washed it all, you know, and and uh, you know, we just like showed appreciation. Oh my gosh, because, yeah, you know, and um, and and then they offered the house like you guys could stay right here. They had a, a house on their property that. Their, their son lived in the States and built it, you know, and uh, it was right on the church property. and, and um, But we decided, we said thank you, but we were going to go stay with our missionary partners down the mountain about five miles. And then we um, ended up renting a house down there for three months and then coming back up. And, uh, yeah, we just tell them, you know, they're like, that was a really nice big house down the hill. But like we said, we like Sarah school. We like the people here, you know, we we're, we like this much better, even though the house is not nowhere near as nice. It was just, I don't know, our heart are just right there in that little With the village. People. The people were just precious and they worked really hard to do that. It was a lot of hard, strenuous work.
2: You know, I, I'm thinking as we're talking, uh, praise God, uh, this disaster relief, um, you know that, that's kind of a uh, a burning fire in my heart. Like I would love to be in Mayfield, Kentucky right now, with seven or eight people, with a tractor trailer of food, clothing, shoes, um, and and a couple of vans with some friends that know how to console people, pray for people, um, get in there, start, <clears throat> you know, doing some work one place at a time wherever we could be allowed. And I don't know how much control FEMA has over stuff like that. But um, that is, to me, <clears throat> disaster relief. There's so much going on in the world today. What an opportunity for God's people to get together and go to these places and do that kind of work. And um, <clears throat> as we're talking, I just kind of that, that flame is kind of growing in my heart again. Um, About getting this reactivated and getting out there and doing this, Um, but then again, you have to be careful because COVID nineteen may hurt you.
3: (laughs) No, that's not not even uh, something that you you factor into it. God, the only thing to factor into it is is, is God leading you. And and, you know, we Kathy and I have been talking a lot lately about because a friend of ours asked us, "What, "What are you?" When we are talking about coming out of the wilderness, so to speak, the literal wilderness here, not very proverbial, literal and proverbial, it was, you know, what he's asked us, what are you going to bring with you? You know, so we've been, we've been asking ourselves this, you know, and and uh, one of the things that we've learned, I think, more than anything else, is that not to ask why, but ask what? What are you doing, Lord? Not why is this happening? Why did this happen to me? Who sinned that this man was born blind, so to speak, you know? But, like, what are you doing, Lord, you know? And and it's just that so much came out of that uh, that experience of having our, our uh, you know our house destroyed and everything everything we own swept away in that that it, it brought us closer to the Lord and the question of What are you doing, Lord? Is you know He allowed that you know He either did it or He allowed that you know and and so so the question is, is What are you doing, Lord? And um, you know I had this it there was a series of experiences not just that but that really just, I don't know, it's, it's just one of those things that just really confirmed in me um, that God's hand was upon my life, and that was that, I that, uh, um, how much you've heard, probably everybody's heard about, like, gold dust and stuff like that, darling, mm. in different places, and, you know, I remember before we went to Honduras, we watched this movie, The Finger of God, I think it was, and people were born, like, waking up with gold teeth and all this other stuff, and I was just sort of like, you know, kind of, I don't know, this is, but I didn't want to be a party cooper. Everybody around me was excited and oh my gosh, gold so dust is falling and everything else and what's that? You know, and I'm like, All right, I'm just gonna shut my mouth. Honestly I think this is a bunch of a yeah. And uh, and so and so then we went to Honduras for the very first time and I went to the dust and I saw a couple witness kids eating raw garbage and for mm-hmm. the first time and Kathy went to a baptism where all of a sudden the girls and her were covered. They got covered in gold dust, right? And she came back to the hotel room. She's like, oh, my gosh, honey, gold dust, gold dust. And I'm just like, you know what? I I just saw kids eating raw garbage, and I got I feel like it was hit upside the head with a cement block, and I really don't care about pixie dust right now, you know? But she's just like, oh, my gosh, the gold dust. And then the next day, and everything else, you know. And we were Kathy yeah, we got really sick on the last day. And we were going up into this 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 little call a neighborhood I guess, but it's a muddy area in, in the village where everybody was wiped out and, and uh and uh, we were delivering the very last bags of beans and rice. And we, we went up and we gave it to them and we came back and where our truck was parked, there was this cloud of gold dust. <laughs> Flowing, and it was like only on my side, right where I've been sitting, the front passenger side of the door, right, it was just I mean, covered in gold dust, it was crazy, it was just like this swirling little whirlwind, you know, and and I'm just like, and in that moment, it was just like, it was like God just saying, yeah, I got this, you know, I got this, I'm here, my hand is here, I'm with you, because I've been, I was having one of those moments of doubt, and it was like, doubt was rising up in me, and I'm just like, oh, or you know, am I like, this is happening to me? and Are, are you punishing me? Or are you like all the crazy negative self-talk that the devil tries to, to capitalize on it? You know, and it was just like God saying, no, 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 I'm here. I'm here. You're in my will. I love you. You know, and so, so I think that that the point in saying this is that if 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 I were to go into that kind of an area now, I would be I would be pointing people to the question, what, and then I would be like. Encouraging them to pay attention. You know, don't get so wrapped up in the stuff that's gone. And yes, it's devastating, and yes, it's hard. But it's just stuff. You know, you're alive, and you can recover. You know, and so, but well, what is God really trying to do on doing this? Because God caused that, or God allowed that. And we don't know. We heard we hear the stories, like you said about pornography being like blown all over the place and stuff like that. But but the reality is, is like God is doing something, and He's trying to accomplish something. In people's hearts you know and to be able to point people to that so that they focus on that and empower them to help others more than just having to receive because you know that we've learned this the tendency as missionaries is like we get so excited about being I call them my old pastor used to call them world changers you know we want to go in and we want to be world changers you know and and uh, but the reality is is like how can we empower people themselves you know what I mean? And that, and that's how we're really going to help people. Because you can have absolutely nothing. be stripped of absolutely everything. But if something comes in and, and allows you to see the hand of God on your life and the, the assurance that he loves you and that he's got you and that all things work together for his good, you know, for those who love God and call according to their purpose, if people can realize that, it really doesn't matter what's going on around. It doesn't matter at all.
2: That's incredible. That's incredible insight. And my question I was going to ask you, how do you explain, I think you just did, um, how do you explain to these people in Mayfield, Kentucky, and in these other places where they lost their loved ones, uh, their mothers are dead, their fathers are dead, their children are dead, their grandparents are dead, um, everything they work for is gone, obliterated. Now explain to me how God is a good God and how he loves you. How do you actually do that with people that don't have any faith? At that moment, how do you describe to them that somehow, in the midst of this, there is an answer, a valid answer? Um, you know, th- and, and this is kind of a challenge to us, isn't it? Or are we to just kind of kind of navigate away from that whole thing and just go there and help and don't say a word, just help? And then if the question comes up, thank you. Well, Jesus gave me the grace to do it. Um, how do you explain these things that God is good in the midst of this trial?
1: You know, having an eternal perspective. We are all, you know, we're all torn Where are we going to live? Where are we going to spend eternity? And also the other scripture, this life is but a vapor. How quick do you want to see a vapor go? You know, boil water and watch it go up into the air. And that's the length of this life. Huh. And yes, there's a lot of pain and it seems like it's forever. You know, when you think of eternity, you know, our lifetime, maybe if we're lucky we'll live a hundred years. But in eternity, that's like a vapor. And so, like, you know, it's a, it's a momentarily exposed, like, so that's the two scriptures that, um, scripturally, biblically speaking, that come to my mind. And, and I think it has to be done with a lot of compassion. And, yeah, it's like... You know. so it's, it's the question, though, is, is, is that's, this is what you could say to a believer, or someone that knows. But the question is... even an unbeliever, I would
3: say. Well, okay. I think... I think then now you're talk, talking about like what Pastor Melissa was talking about yesterday, and that is bereavement counseling, you know, which which means a lot more listening than talk, than talking, you know. That that's where it begins. And and I, you know, I remember when uh, with my ex-wife when the first house that <laughs> we getting burned down, you know, I remember uh, there were two things that happened that stuck out in my mind, and that is one that uh, the um, the, the, the fire marshal that was there walked out and and he had a Bible, he had our Bible our token Bible that we never ever opened ever once and I don't even know why we had it but it was one of those decorative things you know and uh, and and then he pointed to the the springs that used were our couch and he said he said see this he goes this thing was sitting there he's like he's like expletive expletive things never burn you know and wow.
1: so that stuck in my mind. And then there was another guy who
3: happened to be, he was a Mormon bishop, you know, and he comes and he just, he just looked at me in the eye and he said, you know, there's a better way. You know, and that's all he said. You know, and, and it's because holy they're not, they weren't <laughs> believers, you know, but God used them in that moment, which is very few words, to plant a seed, you know. And so it's like, I think sometimes the tendency is to go into a situation and we want to achieve an outcome, and the outcome belongs to God. You know, and the outcome that God wants to achieve might be different in one person's life versus another. So there might be a believer that's, that's there, whose, whose faith is waning and they're crying, why? And we can point them and say, what? What are, what are you doing, Lord? You know, and, and, and maybe help them to shift their perspective a little bit. And that's the easy part. But if you're dealing with an unbeliever who's cursing God now because of the circumstances of their life, it's like you want to be careful, you know, you want, you want to be careful, and you want to do more listening and have, and, and, and have more compassion. And whatever the words are, they probably fewer better are better than, than more, you know. And they'll remember, you know, the time will come when, when, the, when the love that you show is, um, God will bring that to memory, you know, and it will connect with other things, and then maybe it will all come together, and the person will go like, oh, my gosh, okay, I understand, I surrender, you know, but we don't know because the outcome
0: is up to God, not us. And that
2: is the truth. Um, you know, thinking about your vision for your life, I, you know, people that are listening right now, um, I'm thinking about my, my own life, Patricia, yours, everybody out there. And we don't know when our last day on this earth is going to be. We just, there's no, there's no understanding about that. I mean, we've seen crazy things happen and, and, the, the question I have is what is the vision of a person's life without a vision that people perish?
1: And, and what
2: is that vision for your life? How would you want to live on this earth? What do you want to accomplish? And the one thing that keeps coming back over and over and over in, in my personal thinking is I just want to see a restoration of everything that's been damaged, everything that's been lost, everything that's been stolen. I want to see the glory of God just restore everything that was intended um, and, and to live uh, joyfully, to live in love, to live abundantly, live with grace. And yet, you know, here we are in these very dangerous times. Dangerous because people that die without knowing Christ, like you said, Kathy, you're going to go into eternal separation from God. Uh, we were reading this morning about the fire that is never quenched. The worm never dies. It is better to pluck your eye out and go into eternal life with one eye than to have two eyes and go into eternal damnation. Cut your foot off. Cut your hand off. Anything that is offensive that would keep you out of the kingdom of heaven, cut it off, enter into eternal life maimed, rather than this idea of a worm that never dies, a fire that is never quenched. All right, well, we don't want that. So we're, we're, we're going to live over here. in in the glory of God, but what do we do with the rest of our lives? You know, as things are wrapping up, as things are condensing, as things are coming to a, you know, this rapid acceleration of cutting the work short, how are we supposed to be living, and I'm thinking about people in hospitals, well, should we be going to the hospitals and visiting with people that are lost, should we be going to the uh, rehabilitation centers where the elderly are walking around the halls? They don't even have their mind anymore in so many places. What should we be doing right now? And this is what I have such an admiration for what you two have done in the, you know, going to Honduras, being the missionaries, getting out there, wanting to help other people, doing this. Um, because I just think there's so many people in the 11th hour that are sitting around and Jesus is saying, why are you just standing around? Well, nobody's hired us well, what is the spirit of God wanting to do right now in the life of people that are listening to this broadcast at this moment? Live in fear? No. What does he really want us to do? I feel like I want to do so much, and it's just like it, you never do enough. You can, ne- you guys probably felt like you could never do enough, right?
3: No matter. Your best efforts right, are, 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 are a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Best. You know, and a lot of them are filthy rags because you if you're feeding someone that God is trying to create dependency and you run the risk of maybe getting in the way of doing, you know, what God wants to do, you know, it's like, if God allows something to happen and I don't want, I want to be careful, you know, how, how I sound when I say this, but it's like sometimes God allows suffering in people's lives for a reason, you know, and if we come rushing in um, with the best intentions to correct that, when God is trying to do something, you know, we need to be aware. And that's why it's so important to be to be led by the Spirit, you know, not by our, our, our emotions, you know. And when you ask that question, the first thing that came to my mind was Ecclesiastes, you know. Solomon did everything. He did everything that could possibly be done to find meaning in life. And his final conclusion at the end of chapter 12 is love God and obey his commandments. Yeah. That is the whole duty of man, mm-hmm. you know. And I think, I think me personally, I, I'm just like... It's got to be more. It can't be just that, Lord. You know, but but the thing is, is when we do that, it's it's everything else flows naturally out of it, so that we end up obeying His command. So that we're, we're we're following, you know, the the command in the sheep in the parable of sheep and the goats at the end of Matthew twenty-five. Um, you know, to like, when did we visit you, Lord? In prison, Lord? When did we give you a cup of water? When did we give you something to eat? When did we invite you in? You know, and so it's it's uh it's being attuned. So if we're loving God and obeying his commandments, we'll be attuned and we'll do those things that he wants us to do. The difference is is who's in the lead, you know? Is he leading or are we leading? You know, and that's been an ongoing lesson for us and that, you know, like Kathy said before, it's like he keeps showing us how we keep trying to get ahead of him, you know,
0: rather than just then following him and and being led by him. And someone
2: would say, and that was brilliant, by the way, that was great scripture, great instruction. Um, someone would say, well, the message of the gospel is go into all the world. And so, you know, I'm a young believer. I'm a I'm a demon-possessed man that just had a legion of demons. I've been cutting myself for months. I've been breaking fetters and chains. All of a sudden, I have an encounter with Jesus. I haven't been to Bible school. I haven't been to seminary. Um, and yet, I want to go be with Jesus. He said, now you go tell everybody what great things the Lord has done for you. And so there's, there's got to be an expression of our salvation, right? And the, the, the word of God says go. And, I mean, if somebody is, is, is just fresh off, you know, the, and, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go. I tried that many, many years ago. <laughs> I don't want to get into that right now. But, you, you know, what you were saying, Job's friends, you know, people suffering, Job's friends are going to come and tell them, you know, here's the issue. Uh, not always a good deal. Don't get in the way. We got uh, three minutes left. Uh, Kathy, Brian, some final words to our listening audience before we get going today. I don't
1: know. i just, like, very right, listening so. Yeah. I, it, I, it's just, it's so simple. It's so simple,
3: but it's hard sometimes to 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 be led by the Spirit only because we get in the way. You know, and I would say... Don't take it lightly, but don't overcomplicate it trying to follow the will of God. You know, it's, it's, it, it really, it just comes, it comes back to Proverbs three, five through eight, you know, just lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths, you know, and that do not be wise in your own eyes, apart from evil, you know, to be held for your flesh and your bones and and, and for your bones. Right. That's simple.
2: That simple. So my prayer to God for Brian and Kathy in agreement with the body of Christ, that Holy Spirit led, that God will direct your path, that you guys will have no question, no doubt, and you will be led. And it may be a great faith journey in and of itself. And um, just know that you're loved, you're appreciated, you're valued. And um, this is God's kingdom in heaven and on earth we've had a chance to say hello to each other and I just ask the Lord to really bless you guys and direct you by his spirit so you'll have such a witness that wherever you go whatever happens you won't be moved by anything you'll just know that you're where you're supposed to be and um and that's it your needs will be met and that God will take care of both of you very well in Jesus name uh, Kathy anything you want to say before we go I guess 60
1: seconds Through you so i appreciate that and it's like we all are vessels for the lord to speak and to,
3: for him to flow through to others and it's really it's just the lord and uh, thank Amen. you and Amen. We all, all right
2: can't wait to meet you guys in god's perfect time the, the devil likes to delay deceive and distract but that's another conversation we'll talk to you soon we got to go we love you both wisdom god bless Shalom. All right. That's it for us today. We got to roll. Thanks for tuning in. We were with Brian and Kathy all the way from the island of Kauai, Hawaii. Wow. That's awesome. Um, We'll see you tomorrow with bells on. Stay the course. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Enjoy the journey. You're only here for a moment. Find out what your calling is and live life. As long as you are able and you're not in a hospital bed, and you're not sick, busted, and disgusted, and you have life, give it to God. Use it for his glory. Thank him for everything. Stay the course. Serious times, folks. Serious times. Now, and just ahead, some very intense moments. Let's be prepared. Stay the course. Till we meet again. And by the way, if my dear friend, Pastor Melissa Fletcher, is still on, Melissa, if you're still there, the answer to your friend uh, is yes. I would love for him to contact me. Really looking forward to that. Okay. Shalom, everybody. God bless. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Pastor Vince.